Mayfair 515, Albuquerque Center, Roger, climb and maintain 13,000. Riding down the trail to Albuquerque, saddlebags all filled with beans and Welcome to the City on the Edge podcast with your hosts, Nora Hickey, Mike Smith, and Ty Bannerman. Much like Los Angeles to me. City on the edge. City on the edge. City on the edge. City on the edge. City on the edge on the edge. City on the edge. City on the edge. Welcome back to City on the Edge. We have Nora Hickey in the flesh. Yeah, live and in person. We have Mike Smith. Hello. Also in the flesh. We're all here in the same room. Ty Bannerman in my bedroom. With all three of us. We're all hanging out in my little studio corner. And uh, this is amazing. This hasn't happened since Nora moved. Yeah, this is City on the Edge in the bedroom. You know how you add that to (laughs) fortunes? Yeah, there we go. In bed. City on the Edge in bed. Yeah. Um, (laughs) If you've ever seen Ty's Coney Island videos, you can picture what one of the walls looks like (laughs) on YouTube. True. Um... But not only that, like I feel like we've just started doing any in-person stuff. No, like Mike, true. you were over for like the first time, true. Uh, for quite a while yeah. to record a video. So this, yeah. this might be the harbinger of uh, great things ahead. Woo. I do still live in Ohio. Where's I am that? here for a conference, but yeah, yeah. I would say let's plug your conference, but uh, it's too late. It's too late. Yeah, go <laughs> next year to the Southwest Pop Culture mm-hmm. Association because it's always in Albuquerque. Hmm. In February. And uh, nice. tell, say what kind of, uh, what your panel's on this year to give them a little taste mm-hmm. for next year. Mm-hmm. A little preview. Uh, I am presenting with my colleague, Amaris Ketchum, who works at UNM, on diary comics. So looking at some people who practice the form and looking at some theory and how using the comic form interprets. That's so interesting. The theory uses the theory. I kind of want to go to that. That's like, I mean, I totally do because it's you, but that's like a great theme. Thanks. When is this? When is this? Tomorrow at 1130. Okay. I'm going to be teaching, but yeah, that's awesome. I'll send you the PowerPoint. I'd love to see it. Yeah. That's, that's awesome. So when you guys talk, just try to get, try to get in there. Okay. Um, and you and Amaris have a really cool, uh, email, uh, newsletter too, right? Yes. We have a sub stack that I put on our, on City on the Edges yeah. Instagram page, nice. if you want to check it out, but it's autobiographics, substack.com. Do people pay you money for that? No. Okay, but yeah. I know sometimes people do that mm-hmm. with substacks. Like you can charge a subscription fee or yes, something? Yes, you can. We do not. Yeah. Nice. But you might. But we might. Yeah. Maybe we should. For the good stuff. <laughs> right. <laughs> this is all a little taste of the sugar, but if you want the sugar, uh, sugar, you got to pay. You got to pay. Yeah. yeah. <sighs> Yeah, great idea. Well, wow. yes. Um, well, that sounds really cool. And uh, Mike, what are you? What are you up to? Oh, I've been substitute teaching all over the east side of town lately, um, and uh, that seems to be most of what I'm up to lately. It's you know yeah. every weekday pretty much, and um, it's very interesting. It's like you know i'm i find albuquerque very interesting as i know you two do and it's one of those jobs that has given me a lot of windows into how things work and uh you know it's uh 
I think I'll end up writing a manifesto or something by the I time I was going to say it. So how are things with APS? <laughs> how are things oh, with, are they doing great? Ugh. Everything's rosy at APS. Kids learning everything there is to learn. No propaganda. Well, I don't want to no. lose my job, but it sure varies from school to school. There are some schools that really need some basics that don't have them. And yeah. uh, I would really like to see, uh, you know, things get more equal in, in Albuquerque. Um, uh, I mean, there's there's some some real needs not being met at some of the poorer schools in right. town. That I I hope that that will change. So Albuquerque tr- schools in trouble. You heard it here first. Newsflash. And Nora, you flew through a toxic cloud to get here. How was the? Uh... No, remember it was behind me. Oh, so, okay. Yeah, I right. went away from the toxic oh, good. cloud. Good in for you. East. Palestine, Ohio. Palestine. Did yes. you double check the pronunciation? Yes, I did. Palestine. Okay. Palestine. And what are you? What What are your impressions of Albuquerque uh, as someone who's been away for a little while, returning, prodigal, as as you might say? Yes, I, I felt. I felt it was very vibrant. Hmm. Oh, good. Yeah, I did see Tim Keller in the airport, so that oh. helped. Wow. Started off right. He was yeah. traveling somewhere. He wasn't there glad handing, hmm. but he was in some metal sweater. You know how he loves metal, and that's mm-hmm. part of his shtick. And we I, get I, it, Tim. I texted you to challenge him on the uh, anti panhandling ordinance that just got passed by nice by uh, city hall, not city hall, city council, and uh, and you chickened out. I chickened out. Yeah, I, I couldn't do it. Granted, I was, you know, I don't know where he went after I briefly saw him. Right. But I could have gone back and found him, and I didn't. Well, we could slip him a note at City Hall or something. Yeah. (laughs) And he might hear, because I'm sure he listens. He should. He said he would, and we met him that one time. Sure. Number number one fan. If you know Tim Keller. (laughs) There was a lot of traffic in the airport. There was a guy playing some music on a guitar. Hmm. It, it just, I thought it was so welcoming and active cool. and vibrant. That's awesome. That's so, good. We do have cool. the best airport in yeah. certainly the continental United States, I have to say. Wow. My favorite. Nice I one. love Yeah, there's style art. I mean, yeah. you know, there's weird art and stuff, but. There's cool art. I like, there's Wilson Hurley paintings. Well, cool. Yeah, so. Yeah, glad so you're here. it feels good to be, to be back briefly. Mm-hmm. Yes, mm-hmm. we're happy to have you here. And uh, today we're going to be continuing our neighborhood series because two in a row, that's a series. We just did Knob Hill and now we're going to do a deep dive into Mike Smith's neighborhood. Okay. Your current neighborhood, Yeah, Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So which neighborhood are we talking about? Well, I, you know, it's, the suburbs are such a weird modern phenomenon because like, are they neighborhoods? Like, we don't really know our neighbors all that well. Like... Uh, there's this really interesting um, book called Communitas by, who wrote this? Um, let's see. Uh, by Paul and Percival Goodman, Means and Livelihood and Ways of Life is the subtitle. But it kind of explores the sort of, uh, sh- in part, the strange phenomenon of why we live the way we live in modern times. And the fact that, like, in the suburbs, which are this totally modern invention that only exists because of cars, as we talked about the last time, you have to be able to drive there. Yeah. People live there but don't work there. Um, and one of the things that that creates is this feeling of alienation because, like, people don't spend their days where they live. And so they get home and they're tired and they might put a little work in to, like, make it nice so that they don't get the censure of their neighbors. Um, and, uh, 
but they also don't live where they work. And so it's kind of like you have these two places where you have like a lack of connection and a lack of pride with both. And right. it's just like we're all kind of right. nowhere. And then cars have turned that up to like a million. It's put so much distance between us all and these protective shells around us all everywhere. Yeah. Um, and uh, But so suburbs are weird because it's like you don't always know your neighbor. It's it's all paved over. It's People see each other at the end of the days when they're all tired and home from work and stuff. That book I mentioned talks about how like the suburbs really only belong to the kids. Like kids yeah. are the only people that play there and like live and work there all the time. But now you don't even really get that so much. People are so paranoid about their yeah. kids' safety and stuff like that. Totally. Sometimes with justification. Sometimes because of cars. Like yeah. you don't want right, the kid running out safe. in front. Right. Yeah. Uh, it's not always like with the, the ET gang or something, you know, <laughs> flying around on bikes and stuff. And. Um, and uh, adolescents are kind of half in, in it, but they can start to get away, and they do as soon as they can. Yeah. They're like, get me out of here. But you can see the evidences of them, you know, in the graffiti and the, like, little areas that they hang mm -hmm. out and so on, the spots. But it's, they're also pulling away, ready to go to the cities as fast as possible. Adults are kind of, like, checked out on the suburbs a little bit. Like, uh, you know, in, in most suburbs, I think people barely know their neighbors or know them a little bit or something. It, you know, you got to get... Uh, you know, I think it's that can differ according to class too, because I think in the wealthier neighborhoods, you start to get homeowner associations mm. and people kind of mm. banding together and doing events and stuff. But it's much less common the f farther down the socioeconomic ladder. Yeah, that makes I think sense. it's it's something worth studying. It's like right. pretty interesting, I think actually. Like I I recommend Mike Davis on the subject and and that book I mentioned. Um, but. I uh I love place like that's like like you too like that's a big theme for me that's something that, that is very interesting like what are these places you know like what what why why are we so connected to like where we are and stuff and and um and I think when we do engage with that subject and with where we are like life gets a little richer and like is more interesting so I did a series of four neighborhood newsletters that I kind of did a ton of research for because I was like I live on this little piece of street on Dorothy Street uh no need to come visit folks this is just like for <laughs> historical interest and uh, <clears throat> it could be any street but i live on a little piece of street near like uh manal and eubank like that area and um uh you know i was just thinking like nobody ever celebrates these little tiny places yeah. you got to have like a crime or something happen somewhere before people write a profile of a place or like it has to be like a well-established historic thing with a long precedent you know this happened here and this famous person lived here 80 years ago yeah you know uh, my neighborhood, I didn't think necessarily had any of that, but I wanted to know it. And I thought, what if I did like a little hyper-local micro-publishing exper experiment where I just made 14 issues of a series of four zines uh, and handed them out to just everybody on my street, on the... the um, the houses on each side of the street it's like there's seven on each side um and did it once a week for a month and so last uh july i did that july of um 2022 and um and it was interesting i i did a lot of research and so i put together these four booklets that are half visual and half uh text you know so you were literally handing these to your neighbors i yeah i mean i went just to everyone's mailboxes and and uh put them by their mailboxes or on their mailboxes. And what uh, did you ever get any feedback from them? I got a little feedback after the first issue or two. I had this experiment of experience of walking outside and um, 
everybody was waving and really friendly to me for like Aww. a day. And then I had another time where people seemed to be avoiding me. So I don't know. What was in that issue? It's the and, fickle mistress of fame, right. my friend. I had one neighbor tell me it's a felony to put things in mailboxes and I needed to clip them on the outside. So oh my God. Like, All right. I actually did after that because I'm like, I don't want trouble over this. Yeah, dumb seriously. Thing. Yeah. And, and um, I didn't get quite the feedback that I wanted, but. Um, but it was cool. It was like yeah. for my own knowledge too. I wanted to know it, and um, I made it a part of another piece of writing too, and which I documented that month of July 2020. I love that you did but, this. I think that thanks. is so cool. Thanks to thanks. take on, you know, telling. Yeah, we all could this do it. Kind of overlooked what could be overlooked, oh, right? Totally, but people yeah, live yeah. there and have lived yeah. there and lives. Well, thanks. You um, live in the suburbs and. Uh... Ohio. Okay, this is. I do have a question. I I never quite understand what the suburbs are technically. Hmm. Can we define them? Uh, hmm. Because I, whoa, are we being challenged on something we all think we know? They're outside but... of the urban area. They're. Uh, I don't know. They're kind of like you know the commodified opportunity to own a piece of the American dream to like have a, a single family okay. home. Okay. So that's like the idea of the suburb, right? right? Now they're all rentals. But. So the literal dictionary definition is an outlying district of a city, especially a residential hmm. one. Hmm. Um, a suburb, more broadly, suburban, suburban area is an area within a metropolitan area that is primarily a residential area that hmm. may also include commercial and mixed-use areas. So, Interesting. So would that be outside of downtowns but or, or even further well beyond. as we kind of mentioned last week like i'd say that that a place can go from being a suburb right <laughs> to uh to not center. really even being considered herb. that way anymore uh, yeah. like uh, like knob hill is definitely right. was a suburb mm-hmm. and but most people probably don't think of it that way they right. think of it as you know there's there's yeah. life and action there right. and um same with Cuning Highland and a bunch yeah, of other right. places. Yeah. Right, yeah. right. Huh. University Heights right. here, where we are right huh. now. It's a little this is a little more suburban than than Knob Hill. Right. Everything starts getting more right. spread out, like the businesses and whatnot. But I still don't think probably I, most people yeah. think of it as suburbs, but it definitely is. Yeah. It's a rich subject to think about. It's mm-hmm. a very modern and, and relevant to a ton of stuff. And mm-hmm. I mean there's a great book called The Long Emergency by James Howard Kunstler where he says the suburbs are going to be the ghettos of the future. Like they, they, because they don't produce anything and what are we going to do when we don't have the oil to get people to and from right. places? They're going to become incredibly run down. I mean, we're seeing that in places like Detroit already. Mm-hmm. And, um, but also people can turn that around by coalescing around neighborhoods and by mm-hmm. growing their own food and like, you know, creating resources in places that don't mm-hmm. currently do that. Right. Yeah. So it's a very good book. Recommended highly. Um, but, uh, yeah, so I wrote this thing and it's going to be kind of weird to read it out loud because it's got a lot of visuals and sometimes the text refers to the visuals. So I'll just try to like, I'll pretend I'm like reading it to a non-sighted friend or something like that. And, uh, and, um, you know, just try to, uh, mention what's going on as I, as I'm reading, if that's all right. Um, sounds good to me. I think that sounds like a great way to do it. Okay. So I call this project Snow Heights to Martha because Snow Heights and Martha are streets that bookend my street. Um, and uh, it kind of sounds like Pilot to Bombardier or something. Can you still also, hear me? Also, <laughs> I just... 
and I say on the cover with uh, I have pictures of three pictures. There's one of the sign for Snow Heights, one of the two from a stop sign in the middle of the word stop, and one of the sign for Martha. So I kind of say the name with photos. Snow Heights to Martha, and I say, uh, this will be an exploration of a street, a, a short section of a perforated street. This piece of street, the immediate neighborhood of 14 houses and the people and animals that call them home. Every place has a history, and being aware of our little places, places in this world might help us appreciate where we live maybe even more than we do. Imagine this is a movie, and our opening scene is Earth, floating in space, turning silently, blue and green. We zoom in on North America, satellite footage. We zoom in on the United States, New Mexico, Bernalillo County, the Northeast Heights, that 0.277th of a square mile area framed by Juan Tabo, Manal, Indian School, and Morris. And then our street and the streets right around it. We see a street sign and then another. It looks as if people live here. Then on the next page, I have an old photo of uh, the Heights when they were barely developed. Uh, um, in uh, the early 1950s. Do you, I, do you want us to like comment on it as we go, or should we? If you want to, that's totally fine. Yeah, as long as I can, yeah, no. Okay, I'm, it's just yeah. the, um, when we talk about the photos and stuff, I feel like I want to jump in. Oh yeah, sure, yeah. If you have something to say or you want to describe it, that's absolutely cool. Just that you know, any if you ever look at those old photos of the Northeast Heights uh, before they were the Northeast yeah. Heights, it's always just so striking how oh, yeah. empty they are, how absolutely. the roads are dirt going into yep. nothing. Yeah. So. No, well said. Yeah, and um, I mean they, they, yeah, yeah. So this is, yeah. Fortunately, this one photo has some of the names written on. It says Wyoming on one, Manal, Carlisle, um, and then I say uh, Mosasaurs swam through our neighborhood back when a hot, shallow ocean rocked here, and when deep subterranean volcanic activity pushed up the Sandia Mountains, our little bit of desert stretched in place and tilted between the mountains and the river, and then eroded over deep time under weather off the nearby peaks. More recently, for many centuries, this whole valley was the province of Tigüe, comprised of dozens of indigenous villages. Founded as a Spanish Villa in 1706, Albuquerque grew with the railroad in 1880, slowly expanding up into the heights with people wanting to escape the Rio Grande's then seasonal flooding. The photo above, shared in local Facebook groups, shows the heights in the early 1950s, including where our neighborhood would later be. Between Wyoming and the mountains, we see mostly only sand. And I've got a little map here of the area showing the houses. I've got a picture of some trees and bushes nearby. Nice. And then on the next page, I say, this little area of an area's story certainly didn't begin with modern suburbia, but that is when it began to resemble the place we know now. Aerial photos from 1964 show the 2000 plus block of Dorothy Street Northeast sitting not too far from the edge of this ancient desert river valley's East Mesa, once El Llano, the plain, and show the houses here looking shiny and exposed, none yet cooled, warmed, and shaded by decades old trees. There were ranches out here, such as Eugene Montgomery's, established 1906, but housing first really boomed here in the 1950s, as Sandia National Labs was home to the world's first atomic bomb assembly line. These suburbs we live in were built for the creators of Earth's deadliest weapon, making all of us witnesses to history, mythic figures on the edge of planetary life or death. Developers, including Sam Hoffman, Edward Snow, Dale Bellama, and Oscar Love, platted this area's many suburbs. Love named many of our area's streets, first for his wife and family, and then for past girlfriends. Is that who Dorothy was? Uh, she was a niece. Okay. I'll, I'll get to that in a but second. But maybe Martha was, huh? Uh, no, I think Martha was a was somebody, like a relationship or something. I'm trying to remember. I, I could be. I, I, I got to 
it's in that book of Trisco to Xenolona. Um, but it's not jumping to mind. Um, but on that same page, I have an ad for Snow Heights, which says, I won't read it all, but uh, square feet of real home value, the Seville, typical southwestern architecture, $445 down payment to everyone, plus closing costs, seeing is believing. And we that's in- a layout of a of a house? It looks like it's, a, yeah, it's an ad from a, an Albuquerque Journal ad for, uh, yeah, one of the, the suburban homes you could get in the L.A. dingbat style. Mm. Seeing is believing. We invite you to see Albuquerque's finest subdivision. Beautiful. Snow Heights. Mr. Edward H. Snow, one of the Southwest's most able builders, blah, 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 has prepared, etc. Um, and, uh, and then the last page of issue number one, I say, Love named Dorothy Street after his niece, Dorothy Love. Our larger suburban matrix may have been built for the creators of technology that billions fear could one day end civilization, but our street's last name is Love. Wild. And so is nearby Morris's. We have an unsung little place here full of provocative paradoxes, and you can read more all about it in Atrisca de Zinalona, a snappy survey of selected Albuquerque street names by Judy Nichol. Also, stories behind the street names of Albuquerque, Santa Fe, and Taos by Donald A. Gill. The most detailed published work about the growth of our suburbs is the post-war transformation of Albuquerque, New Mexico, 1945 to 1972 by Robert Turner Wood, a very valuable book. Albuquerque, its mountains, valley, water, and volcanoes by Vincent C. Kelly discusses the Northeast Heights, arroyos, and floods. Eric Schlosser writes about that atomic bomb assembly line in command and control, nuclear weapons, the Damascus accident, and the illusion of safety. And Toby Smith writes in New Mexico Odyssey about a famous photograph taken on nearby Muriel. Albuquerque, New Mexico, 1958, by Gary Winningrad, photographer of Marilyn Monroe's iconic 1955 subway grape pick. As for our neighborhood and general area in film, it seems as if the area, there are area scenes in Lonelier the Brave, 1962, Bunny O'Hare, 1971, and Track of the Moon Beast, 1976. There's also a news clip about the 1988 area flood on YouTube, a flood which will be more explored more in Snow Heights to Martha Number 3. Yes, our area is a small one, but we are a part of the one big story, just like everywhere else. Our story involves huge stories. Like, we are a part of the suburbs, a unique modern phenomenon in which people don't live where they work, made possible only by our modern oil-powered industrial age. More on all that next week. And then I have an old picture, a bit of an old picture here, with an old Snow uh, Heights sign advertising lots for sale next to the snowy sandias and a bunch of wires crossing. And then a modern one of our of the little street that I'm describing. It's using a little snowman, isn't it? Yeah. Cute. So that must have oh. been like a common sight back in the day. Would it normally snow that far down now? Well, it or does sometimes, but yeah, that's that's a pretty snowy day in the foothills. And, that and you photo. have all these photos, right? Yeah, I mean, these so are all like stolen we'll put them, from online. We'll put them up on, the, on yeah. the Patreon page. Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah. Put scans of this or something. Well, I mean, yeah. I would just scan the this newsletter. Oh, yeah, like, we can yeah, do that. Yeah, that. Better quality uh, photos. Yeah, maybe. I wouldn't say my quality are that much better. Oh, like, okay. these are, this is, the, the images come from a lot so of Go to our Patreon page for bad quality yeah, images. Bad quality <laughs> images stolen from online. Um, yeah, and, and personal collections and stuff. Um, uh, so then issue number two begins with... Uh, two photos on the front page they both show i say well i say these photos have circulated locally online and are from right around eubank and snow heights Jeez. note that distinctive rise of the mountains in both photos the images taken just a few years apart the top one dated february 1959 shows a woman sitting just out in a plane with just some scruffy desert vegetation around in a chair and uh, you can see a rise of the mountains behind her and then as if sharing the same frame below 
there's somebody pumping gas at a gas station down below and all the modern trappings of the gas station fill the screen but it's the same basic view wow. i think that that's a tire store now wow. where that guy is but uh, then the next page has those two aerial photos referenced earlier of the heights and i say these 1964 aerial photos include our part of the city's northeast heights note Juan to and lomas above and note the desert so tattooed by unpaved fractal arroyo networks and so close and then uh as if channeling Magritte, who is always fascinated by pictures of text, uh, I have a screenshot of a Facebook status update from the group Albuquerque Memories from a guy, Jim Fisher, uh, October 22nd, 2020, and he writes in that image, this is Throwback Thursday, and this memory goes back 62 years when the State Land Commission sold the Northeast Heights. He divided the land into 40 to 50 acre parcels and set a minimum of about $1,000 per acre. The builders all gathered in one room after huddling at a local coffee shop to decide who wanted what piece so they didn't raise the minimum, and bid the bids were opened. That's how land sales were done in bulk. There's an earlier part of this story about the four women who bought a lot of Northeast Heights land 10 years earlier and controlled much of the Heights growth. Beverly Woods, Ann Pickard, Man... Mary Mossman and Mary Stotts, Marie Stotts. I picked up a lot of stories about these women over 50 years in real estate that I'll share in another post. But he never did. Never no. did. <laughs> so, Jim. Wasn't that, Jim, right? Yeah. Wasn't the guy who uh, called the cops on us uh, for breaking into the Anasazi building named Stuart Stotts? Oh, yeah. Oh, and I forgot that. You, have we, a, you, we, have wow. a, you hold a grudge better than me. Oh, yeah. We're <laughs> after you, Stuart. <laughs> uh, all right. Um, and then the back of issue number two has another picture of a Snow Heights sign near a much more empty-looking uh, area road. And it has a picture of that Albuquerque Journal issue from April, 9th, 19, or from April 1958 saying, uh, Wednesday, April 9th, 1958, County Courthouse, Albuquerque, New Mexico. Commencing at 9.30 o'clock on the morning of Wednesday, April 9th, 1958, the Commissioner of Public Lands of the State of New Mexico will offer for sale at public auction 20 tracts of land as shown on the plat herein, numbered from sale, blah, blah, blah. And then it goes down and it talks about how it'll be around San Jacinto, which was is Eubank now. Oh. Eubank used to just be Eubank from central to the south, and uh, it was San Jacinto uh, mm. going farther up. Yeah, yeah. Saint Hyacinth, the uh, I think the pa patron saint of barbecues or something. <laughs> my, um, my community <laughs> college was uh, San Jacinto. Oh, really? I'm, oh, interesting. I think it might be pronounced San Jacinto. Uh, right? San Jacinto. But, yeah, yeah. I'm just. Uh, I'm, but here. at my community college, we also said San Jacinto. Oh, really? Oh, interesting. San Jack for uh, short. And then on the back, I have this little bit of text. I say. The first housing booms on this side of town happened in the 1920s, according to the Albuquerque Historical Society. And here's a quote from them. Swamps made much of the land unattractive for development, but in 1925, the Middle Rio Grande Conservancy organized and planned projects to control the river and drain marshy land. The heights and the river have a long entwined relationship with many later residents moving up here to escape the river's floods. Though, of course, people would often discover that huge floods can come from above, too, from rain pouring down the mountains. And then issue number three begins with two uh, vertical text-based images. Uh, one is a strip that just says Snow Homes in Hoffman City. It's a little picture of a roof line. It was from an old ad. But it tells you that the developer Snow was around there and that Hoffman Town was important. They were using that as something to uh, attract people. And then I have a little image from, uh, it's just a photo of a book from Albuquerque. It's Mountain Waters and Volcanoes. Uh, Arroyos, Fans, and Mesas, this book says, 
The areas east and west of Albuquerque's inner valley consist of mesas dissected by numerous arroyos. The east mesa, where so much of the city has expanded since the early 1930s, is covered along the base of the mountains by gravel spread from the canyons of the Sandias. Before the river cut its inner valley, beginning several hundred thousand years ago, the high mesas on either side of it today joined in a very broad plain through which the Rio Grande meandered sluggishly some 250 feet above its present level. And then, on the next page, I say, with some visuals, um, there's a photo of the neighborhood with a mountain above it, and um, I say, mountain storms mean the heights in the city below have a long history of floods from above. And then there's a picture from uh, that same old book showing a flooded neighborhood uh, and a caption underneath. Photo by C.E. Redmond, courtesy Albuquerque Journal, flood of July 24th, 1950. The water came down Manoel Arroyo, Stronghurst, from a severe storm in the East Heights. The view is east from over 4th Street and shows curving 2nd Street between Phoenix Avenue Northwest on the right and Claremont Avenue Northwest across upper left. Flooded 3rd Street runs across lower central part of picture. Manal Boulevard is a few blocks to the right of the picture. 40 blocks, including 200 houses, were flooded and damage was estimated at $250,000. So that's 1950. And I say, such floods have been noted since at least the 1880 founding of New Albuquerque, now downtown. 1884 is especially epic flood season led to life-saving early flood control measures. And then on the next page, I say, in quotes, runoff from summer cloud bursts in the Sandias posed a hazard, wrote Mark Simmons in Albuquerque, A Narrative History. Normally dry arroyos indenting the East Mesa emptied into the valley immediately above and below New Albuquerque. When filled with flash floods, according to the description of one astonished observer, they produced a deep and distant roar, momentarily growing louder until the noise is deafening, a foaming and hissing sheet of water tearing down from the mountains, filling from bank to bank the broad beds, empty a moment before. Great boulders are tossed about like eggs and are crushed and ground with a booming and crashing like the thunder of artillery. Railroad bridges spanning the lateral arroyos caught the full force of these sudden floods and were often hurtled into the torrent. And now, cut to 1988. And then I have a collage of images um, that I've gotten from the internet. Um, one showing an American Red Cross disaster services van and some workers. One showing the arroyo at Wantabo and Indian School all clogged with mud and some rescue workers there. Others showing broken concrete and mud-covered arroyos and things like that. And a YouTube comment that someone said, I was here. I was caught up in that flood. Eight inches of rain and hail came down in 45 minutes. And, uh, and then after having said, and now cut to 1988, down at the bottom, I say, and to a big event in the history of our neighborhood and part of town, the July 9th, 1988 flood, the Muriel flood caused by maybe the worst storm in the city since 1954. That 1988 flood resulting in badly damaged homes, sidewalks, arroyos, streets, and businesses, including the Blake's Lotteburger at Juan Tabo in Indian School. An emergency declaration by the mayor, the tragic death of a teenager after she tried driving through rushing water, more arroyos in the Northeast Heights being paved, and more flood control dams being built all along the foothills. Walk the arroyos today and you may notice 1989 often inscribed into the concrete. And, interestingly, 1989 is also the year Bomb the Suburbs, a book by William Upsky Wimsat, says graffiti in Al Albuquerque really got started, maybe in part because of all the new blank royal walls available as canvases. Interesting. Yeah. So then on the back, around a photo collage of clips from that news clip, which you can find on YouTube if you look up the Muriel Flood Albuquerque, I say, so a difficult thing that happened here changed our entire city, including better protecting us all. Next week, we'll look at other such legacies of our past still visible right around us right here. And in that image, there's a clip of newscaster Greg Goulet standing next to a rectangle that says storm. <laughs> and a clip from Wantabone Indian School. 
and some neighbors being interviewed. Larry Fenimore, homeowner, Lila Johnston, flood victim, Melinda Crago, eyewitness. And then issue four, the final one, I have a photo collage of dates carved in concrete and uh, on fire hydrants and just some little clips of trees and stop signs and local art. Little art piece by famous Boston artist Cheryl Sorg on a stop sign. Um, and I say, uh, in and around our little suburban neighborhood, evidence is abound of a long prequel to us today. Nearby hydrants tell us about when the area water systems were likely first installed. 1958, made of cast iron, maybe trucked across the U.S. on a then brand new I-40. And sidewalk inscriptions here from 1959, 66, and 89 whispered to us in an ever-eroding chorus that others were here. And then inside this final issue, I have a couple of full-page scans. The first one is a page of ads from the Albuquerque Journal for all the different home developers um, back in the 50s. One is for Dale Bellama Homes. One of every five homes built and sold in Albuquerque is a Dale Bellama home. We have a habit of making happy families happier. Face the new year in a home of your own. And then there's that iconic... Face the new year. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the ominous. Then there's, uh, yeah, the uh, Dale Bellama Homes logo, which you can still see stamped into sidewalks around town. Phone, AX, some numbers. That's wild. Mm -hmm. And then uh, a Roberson Homes ad. Happy new year. New models for the new year. See them today. Mossman Gladden. Ring out the old. Ring in the new. Custom Deluxe Homes with Mal Albuquerque's finest. And then there's an ad for Applegates, which later became TD's strip club, Eubank, <laughs> or Eubank North. But it was Does a red. Does it still exist? It's a, it's, it's a ruin there now. It's just like, it's a, the sign says still closed, and it's all, the windows are all broken, and I think it's for sale. It's, it, it's the, a really weird building. Yeah, it's got like a round turret, and, yeah. uh, and it's pretty near this neighborhood. So the, the ad from this old paper says extra Applegate's Landing opens the eating's outstanding in Albuquerque Applegate's Landing restaurant offering casual dining with more than a touch of class is now open at 2120 Eubank just south of Manal and Eubank this unique the unique atmosphere provides a variety of dining experiences open at 11 you can enjoy lunch crab legs sandwiches and perhaps the finest salad bar all around and and um, one enthusiastic visitor noted I love it. I can have an excellent meal and beautiful surroundings without putting on a tie or taking out a bank loan. <laughs> Applegates is in a casual class by itself. No, I, I uh, have yeah. a little addendum to that. Yeah. Just some funny things about Applegates. First of all, it has, yeah. if, uh, and again, we'll have this picture on our website. Um, <laughs> in front of the structure of the building that you can still see today on Eubank, right. uh, there's a big mill. There's like with oh. a water wheel oh. and all this I stuff. That was That's what a slide the... or something. No, I thought it was. Yeah, yeah, it's not a slide. And then oh. the other, I thought this was kind of funny, but like the next week after uh, after their grand opening, mm -hmm. they took out apology ads because they were so swamped by people that Whoa. they were unable oh. to like serve them, and well. also they like. Uh, like just their whole system broke down so Whoa. lots of people left and were really unhappy because they were waiting for too long that's amazing you know that that's yeah. fantastic <laughs> just, wow. so this worked this that ad worked yeah. yeah um but then there was a uh there was a restaurant crash in the 80s in albuquerque mm. just a few years Whoa. after it opened so it closed at that point hmm. and then they opened another restaurant a few years later huh. at the site of the other strip club in what? town uh the other tds on, they were both on, applegates before yeah they were but well what? it wasn't called applegates the other one but it was the same owners so they must have sold them at the same time that's or something. really interesting yeah. 
Well, the last page of the last issue uh, has kind of a collage of different photos, well, a collection of different photos. Some of them are details from around the neighborhood, like flowers and cool bricks and uh, a sign that says neighborhood, part of a neighborhood watch sign. And then there's a photo of the Sandias and a photo of the volcanoes, both taken from the neighborhood because you can see them from different places. And I say, uh, wooden utility poles here, once tree trunks in New Mexico's mountain forests, have also been stamped 1958. And we too leave signs for the future. Our houses, yards, trees, land, stories. And there is, of course, the way all ephemera, like the Albuquerque Journal ads for 1950s area developers reprinted on page two of this issue, or the April 13th, 1979 journal ad for a nearby restaurant reprinted on page three, somehow inevitably transforms into being parts of the overall historical record of all humanity. And then I say, from just about anywhere on our street, we can see panoramic views of the Sandia Mountains to the east, and from probably all of our rooftops, say, when we're up there setting up or winterizing our swamp coolers, we can see the volcanoes of the Rio Grande Rift to the west. All that wild ge geology is a slow-motion scene in the same one big story of ours, the land still accreting, adjusting, crumbling, rising, falling, with us all here now, just about right in the middle. Damn straight. And that's what I wrote. Really lovely. <laughs> oh, thanks. A little yeah. meditation on a little like Nowhereville place, kind of. You know that. I mean, it matters to the people that live there, and right. And it's similar to many other places that, mm -hmm. you know, both around there. Like the reason I printed this up again recently and got th thinking of it was I started talking with a neighbor who lived on Snow Heights a ways away when I bought a couch from him, <laughs> and uh, he had been there since 1958, and he told me all this amazing stuff. That's so cool. I was like, I got to print you this thing up I wrote and give it to you, and. Uh, but he like he told me about before the arroyo was paved, there was a big pond next to his house, and all the neighborhood Ooh. kids would play in this pond, oh and there were God. cat tails tails around it, and the moms They're all would, called cholera. Yeah, and <laughs> the moms would walk out of their houses, he said, and like call down to the kids, and they'd run up out of the oh, arroyo man. pond, and and That's he said so cool. before Colette. Park, this elementary school uh, with a park was there. It was a city park there, and that's kind of why the neighborhood felt like they could keep playing there mm. <laughs> afterward. Oh, nice. And he said. Um, that uh, when that school opened, all the neighborhood kids had to carry the books from a barrack that was like some distance away. And they walked through the unpaved arroyo holding all their books and school supplies and trip after trip, bringing them to the school. So and if like, there were ponds and stuff, that must have been like, there must have been wetlands up there. I never think about that. Yeah, I always thought, think of it huh? as like yeah. a hills and... yeah. And that and planes, but yeah. yeah. And he told me about that 1988 flood from his own experience, and I've heard that from a couple neighbors. Now, one had told me that uh, he remembered that this little street, Greta, that was nearby, was like a river. Yeah. And this guy said there were just feet of sand in everybody's driveways that had to be shoveled out afterward. And um, oh and it was just uh, really interesting to hear all that stuff. Mm -hmm. Like and and like every place is interesting. It's all kind of. It's not like anything's you know, outside of the story of the experience of what is, you know, it's all like kind right. of relevant, kind of interesting. And I, I like knowing this stuff. I bore my kids with it. When we <laughs> drive well, yeah. I found out a few facts about your neighborhood. Oh yeah. Uh, so you know what huh. trulia.com is? Uh, it's like a real estate website? Yeah, I don't know what it is either. But they, they have it like listed by a okay. neighborhood, oh. Okay. but they say that you have shopping. What? Like Circle K is the example they give. Hmm. Well, yeah, that's, can buy that's, a, <laughs> that's a walk away, but yeah, it's not right there. And then uh, apparently somebody must have DK. voted on these things. It says at least 12 Trulia users said, um, or 92% of them said about your neighborhood. Guess what they said? What? 
There are sidewalks. <laughs> are there? Are those 92%? They're, that's, Julia user's right. They're, I, maybe it's a reputable website then, because that's correct. <laughs> that's, huh. I just thought that was great. Yeah. <laughs> so you're I not... mean, I think it's kind of gotten better in some ways. When we first moved into that neighborhood, we met most of our neighbors because a gun was found in the street. Oh, and everybody was out, like, because all these cops were there oh, and my stuff. Gosh. And, uh, the house, I mean, like my little daughter, one of her first words was the quack house because this abandoned oh, house was next to the adorable and, ducks and who live there. People were living, living there. Yeah. It, um. it, now they're all lived in, I think, and it seems like it's gotten a little better. It's not, Good. it's a neighborhood with its issues, I suppose, but I think probably most are in some way or another. I don't know. Right. Um, there's a lot of nice people too, and it's, you know, overall, but it's like, Again, it's like this neighborhood is kind of like an old construct. It like comes from villages mm-hmm. and stuff, and it doesn't always feel like it, yeah. it gloms on naturally. Like everyone doesn't know each other exactly. Well, and, right. yeah. Well, and uh, I mean, you can't yeah. work too close to there. Well, I guess uh, you can, huh? Well, I mean, I guess you could work out of your house these days or something yeah, like that. Yeah, that's I mean, true. But I mean, but it, we all have that problem where, yeah. you know, the farther you get away yeah. from the city center, like, or wherever the yeah. businesses are, I yeah. guess. Yeah. <laughs> you know. You're not thrown together in yeah. the same way. I, right. I think a neighborhood would make a fascinating, like, documentary subject. Or, like, it, it, it's... it's um. I read this book. It's a memoir by Sally Mann, and she called Hold On, or Hold Still, and she made her subject just her family and just documented her family over the, all this time. But I sometimes think about, like, neighborhood. Like, that's such an interesting mm-hmm. thing. Like, I have another kind of a more avant-garde essay that I don't know that would be right for the podcast where I got called reading a neighborhood that is like, it's like that one I did for the whole city, right. but it's just for like Wantabo, oh. Morris, Manal and, and yeah. Eubank that like square. And I like photographed all the text from that whole area oh, and then cool. rearranged it into like a letter from the neighborhood to itself. Oh. Yeah. And, that, would, um, that might be hard to get. It's a little weird, yeah. Yeah, but it it, I mean, it's readable. But then I researched the heck out of the neighborhood and like, you know, found out mm-hmm. tons of stuff and included that as context and everything. But I don't know. Mm-hmm. We'll see. But, um, but uh, like, I just think it's a really interesting topic because it's like we live in these places and I think they're just kind of treated as nothing a yeah. lot of time. Right, right, just, right, that's right. where I live, you know? Yeah. Like, <laughs> like, and the suburbs and automotive life mix yeah. it up even further, you know? Yeah. So I found Ed Snow's, Edward Snow's obituary. Oh. He died at 45 in 1968. Whoa. So I can't believe oh, he, he had built 6,000 houses in New Mexico wow. before the age of 45. Wow. But I want to read a little bit of it because, I mean, I just, yeah, you scratch the surface, you know, for any of this stuff. And there's some fascinating story. Well, or like, yeah, I mentioned Morris in here, that street, his last name was Love. But I didn't mention that he was killed by a spree killer in 1947 with his whole family and a gardener in Virginia. Wait, what? Yeah. A. Morris Love was his real name. He was the... the, Did uh, he move there or was he just there? Um, I guess he was, yeah, he lived there then, but, um, you can still find the newspaper article online about it, but, um, so this is how, uh, snow came into, came to develop the Hmm. place, your, your neighborhood. That's right. So in 1959, another of Albuquerque's early post-war home developers, Sam Hoffman Hmm. of Hoffmantown fame, cracked the resistance of the historic Atrisco land grant west of Rio Grande. The grant heirs, who had resisted partition successfully for generations, voted overwhelmingly to accept Hoffman's offer of $1.2 million for 3,800 acres of grant land on wow. the West Mesa. On the West oh, Mesa? Hold on. No, I'm confused. 
That would be something different. Yeah, this is a whole different thing. I'm sorry. That's all right, but that's really interesting. That's interesting. To... Yeah. Uh, so he wound up That might have been the one out. that went bad. Yeah, yeah, so... That made him kill well, his wife. Well, that's what it, The land was Wait. subdivided. Um, yeah. And yeah. At, but then activities came to a standstill after Hoffman and his wife were found dead of gunshot wounds in their Phoenix apartment. It was a murder-suicide. He killed her and then oh killed himself. When was that? Now his name's on a Baptist church. Not sure what the year is, but that's then Snow stepped in uh, to continue to develop the West Side. And I was thinking that this was oh, yeah. your neighborhood, but that's, no, but that's, that's not the case. But hey, another murder. That's, that's great, the right? Hoffman, <laughs> Hoffman Estate. Uh-huh. Of Hoffman Town. Hoffman Town. City Center. What is it called? Hoffmantown Shopping Center. Yeah, Hoffmantown yeah. Church. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> not a great. Well, yeah. There's some dark stuff. I didn't flip over all those rocks for this because I was trying to keep it friendly for a neighborhood yeah. right. family audience. You right. could do a dark. You yeah. Eighteen plus one. <laughs> yeah, I like. But um, it's yeah. There's whoa. Um, but uh, yeah, it was. Mm-hmm. I would encourage anyone to like wherever you live, mm-hmm. you know, look into the history of your own little piece of land. You know, like what it, whether it's a cool old house or whatever. Like yeah, when I, when I lived down at Ash and Gold, I lived in an old house there, and I researched the heck out of that. I found so much cool stuff. I found insurance maps. I found that someone had died of scarlet fever in the front room in 1870. I found what? that it, yeah, that it's wow. 1605 Gold at the corner of uh, Ash and Gold. Found that it had been the head offices for. Um, uh, these it had been apartments in like the 40s mm-hmm. and it was where the manager lived and just found all this really interesting stuff well, that's super um, cool wow. but uh, you know I, I kind of feel like but almost anywhere you know yep. even if it's yeah. more more modern history it might still be interesting you right. know? well sometimes that, it's like a matter of finding it too yeah. you know like mm-hmm. you did some yeah. great research here well thanks um, but I'd imagine most of this information isn't too easy to come by. Well, and as you can tell, a lot of it is more general, too, about, like, the part of town, oh, yeah, sure. you right, know, the right. suburbs, et cetera. Right. But, like, those arroyos were named way before the streets were. Like, I have that 100-year-old mm-hmm. Sandia book that has maps in it with all those arroyos already named in Budo and Piedra Lisa. Mm-hmm. They already have names back then. They predate the suburbs. And um, We should do, know. like, a challenge, like... Yeah. Uh, our, our listeners uh, should do some research into yeah. their own neighborhood and they just send us like the coolest story yeah. we can find and we'll, uh, yeah. we'll read them. If you put a little newsletter or a zine or anything together, yeah. Facebook status update that's, mm-hmm. you know. Or just send email. us an email and we'll, yeah. we'll read it on the on the show. We'll create a collage of all these yeah. different accounts. Right? That'd be really neat. <laughs> do you, what yeah. is our email address? Oh, good point. Well, mine's tybannerman at gmail.com. T-Y-B-A-N-N-E-R-M-A-N at gmail.com. And we do have an official podcast email that I have. Do you ever check it? Um, I get stuff uh, directly sent to me. So cityontheedgepodcast at gmail.com. That's cityontheedgepodcast at gmail.com. Right now. Send it our way. Yeah. Yeah. I'd love to hear cool stuff. We all, every, there's not a boring patch land. Like, have you ever, all ever seen that old sign that they sell at like Jokey gas stations sometimes? And it's like, on this side in 1870, nothing happened. Yeah. And it's like, that's not true anywhere. Right. (laughs) That's like, even if it's just the wind blew through some vegetation, that's kind of interesting. That's why we need to start your idea of making signs of what did happen Mm. here. And most of them should say, the wind blew through the vegetation. True. There's some of that. This is gonna sell like hotcakes. But, yeah. You know, it's like po- put your orders poetry. in now. Yeah, there yeah. you go. It's good stuff. Well, this was really fun. Nora, yeah, I wish you still it lived felt here. Great to be in person. Sorry. 
I moved. Oh. Yeah, we're sorry you moved too, but uh, I hope that you have learned to regret your error and uh, we'll be on your way back <laughs> any day now. Every day. Yeah. I regret it. Nice. Um, did you find, uh, do you have any like cool history that you've uncovered in your your town of you Dayton? know what? Is it? No, it's not no, Dayton. Springfield. Springfield. I, this is, I can keep you updated, but something that Mike and Ty have always inspired me to do is to get to know a place and to kind of spread that knowledge. And so my husband, Clay, he discovered in his walks this um, children's cemetery behind the old children's wow. home in oh, town okay. where, you know, different... They, Kids, kids lived there. Right at the from the turn of the century to the 1960s. Uh huh. And so there's a cemetery. Some are babies. Some are oh, wow. you know kids. Some are unnamed. Right. And it's it's in this area that is between. It's basically an open area with stuff around it. Yeah. But, but nobody goes there. It's, it's like kind in of this no forgotten land. corner. Yeah. That has a broken chain link fence around it. So there was at one point an effort to semi-preserve it. Right. Um. And I. And that's where we walk our dog. That's how he discovered it because it's an open area, uh. not the cemetery, but by it where she can run around. Right. You know? Right. Right. Um. And so I was spending so much time by it and feeling. Just like, man, you know, these lives mm-hmm. just yeah. here. Yeah. Um, so I'm actually meeting with the quote-unquote town historian oh, cool. to maybe get a plaque or some Brilliant. sort of preservation, some sign of, to acknowledge the site, yeah, the lives. Right. That's so great, Nora. Um, great. So that's that's my next, or my that's current a great project. Yeah, keep us updated. That I will definitely keep you nice. updated about. Yeah. Mm. Yay. Yeah, mm. I think that should be of interest to everybody. That's like, it might be Springfield, Ohio, but that's like an epic story. Yeah. Like a children's cemetery? Whoa. Yeah. 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 And that's amazing. You all found that. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. crazy. Right. It just seemed so, it, it's so present, but overlooked. Yeah. Um, yeah. Right. Nice. Um, but w- where would you guys research for something like that? Paper? You Insurance always, maps. Oh, insurance would, maps. Would be That's good. Said, yeah. Look, um, go to City Hall and see what they have for, like, plats. Newspapers.com, which oh, should yeah. totally be sponsoring us. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> is a great, uh, great resource. Um, you can uh, look up by, by date, by area. You huh. can find all kinds of stuff. So definitely worth checking out. Um, for here in town, uh, Zimmerman Library yeah. has right. uh, good archives. Might be a little hard to kind of dig through. You yeah. probably need some starting points. Read some general histories yeah. of your area, too, for leads and stuff. That's yeah. a good idea. I bet a children's school would get mentions and maybe even their cemetery. Right. Right. Yeah. Like, okay. Maybe there's an Arcadia book for your town. That has yeah. Specific no, that's stuff. true. Yeah. Yeah, I will definitely keep you all. That's way cool. That's probably my family history. That area. My mom was from Cincinnati, and my grandparents were from Ohio and Kentucky. Yeah, and uh, you know that's yeah in 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 the old West, the pre before this was the West. I know. At one point, that was the frontier. That always blows my mind. It's crazy. Just like this used to be the suburbs. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) Everything changes. There's that beautiful song for Adventure Time, Everything Stays. Do you all know that song? No, I've uh, never, looked it up. It's so I've good. Never Everything changes in little ways. 
but uh, but everything stays. And then well, someday this uh, podcast will be AI voiced and produced. Yeah. So you well, still got the nope. human back. To... <laughs> right. We'll just push the button to get it started. Oh, right. man. I got to run and take my kid to soccer. I, oh, I'm okay. sorry I have to go. But I, no, I, I didn't they... know this was going to happen today. The soccer thing. Um, oh. <laughs> yeah, I kind of got it. Oh, yeah, yeah. Right. Okay, well, so nice to see you in town, Nora. Yes, great to see you. You rock, too, Nora. In person. Thanks for spilling the. Is that what the kids say? Spilling the tea yeah. on your neighborhood. It is. It's no, kids in the 1950s. <laughs> Sorry, was that not lit enough for you? All right. Um, yeah. No. Well, thanks. Yeah. And like I said, no need to visit. It's just a, <laughs> just an example. What's, what's your address again? Though? Like, just <laughs> <to>. <laughs> um, like, if your neighbor's dog tells you to come there. Uh, uh, our listeners like, are great. You'd yeah. love, you love to They'd see them nice come by yeah, your house. Yeah. No, we're going to probably put a free little library in front of the house at some point oh, anyway. Nice. So yeah. it's like, uh, I'm not anti-people, but, but um, you know. Oh, you, one thing you didn't but, mention, huh. but I remember this is an odd fact about your huh. neighborhood. You're very close to a church that has St. Bernadette's socks. Oh, yeah. Her holy sleeping sock. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah. And um, it's great. I love that church. I'd make, I'm a St. Bernadette fan now after <laughs> learning her story. It's pretty interesting because she's like a Joan of Arc that came way past the time when those kind of saints oh, were popular. Wow. And uh, in the 1800s, and yeah. um, people were like, what are you talking about? This isn't the age of miracles anymore. This kind of stuff doesn't happen. <laughs> but she was making those same sort of claims, and she seemed to produce a spring from dry ground. Wow. And like, oh. that's what Madonna named her kid after was Lourdes, where St. Bernadette oh, really? did, okay. did that, and uh, yeah. or supposedly did that. And there's an Academy Award-winning movie from like the 50s about mm. it, The Song of Bernadette. And uh, it's a nice little church. It's got some beautiful stained glass. It's got this funny, it, at the top it says, I never promised you happiness in this life. And at the bottom it says, only in the next, but I only ever photographed the top part. <laughs> just that. And, just... and it's got a holy sleeping sock. It's got some holy coffin dust. It's Ooh. got wow. a really interesting... Also from St. Bernadette? Oh man, I'm getting summoned. I got all right. Definitely uh, well, something anyway, to check good out. To, yes. Good Thanks. to see you all. Thank you yeah. all for listening. Yeah. Um, catch you next time. Yeah. Nice. City off the edge. Yeah.